On that day when evening had come, he said to them, let us go across to the other side. And leaving the crowd, they took him with them in the boat, just as he was, and other boats were with him. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves were breaking into the boat so that the boat was already filling. But he was in the stern, asleep on a cushion. They woke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? And he awoke and rebuked the wind and the sea. Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. He said to them, Why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? And they were filled with great fear and said to one another, Who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ. You can be seated. Get comfortable tonight. I continue uh, as we come to this passage tonight to pray um, in the same heart and, and direction that I started us off tonight, that we would have eyes to see and ears to hear Jesus tonight as he is. Um, coming to this passage, and even as I, I read it, it's probably quite familiar to most of you because this is a, a passage that we spent considerable time in and that the Lord really led us into a number of months ago. Um, and I shared with you at that time that the Lord had actually kind of brought me to this passage days before uh, an investigation started in relationship to Bishop Todd and into his life. Uh, the, the, the story from the Gospels here uh, then became a bit of a prophetic word um, in that it's a word of God has been here in the Scriptures forever, but it became prophetic and alive in the sense that it became a word for now. And it began to speak into many of our lives, into many of our experiences, as we stood in all of the sudden what in many ways felt like a storm, metaphorically. And you suddenly feel in the midst of a storm, and if you were to put yourself in the boat with these guys out in that storm, you can imagine what that felt like. There's some chaos. There's some unknown. There's some, there's some understandable concern. Potentially even some fear. Potentially even some woe. <laughs> So, some sense of doom. Where is this going? How is this going to end? And certainly for the men in this story, they were, they were assuming it wasn't about to end well. When they wake Jesus, they literally want to know if he cares that they are dying. It's a um, fisherman in this boat, a few of them. There's guys in this boat who everyone else would have looked at, and when they saw the panic in their faces, thought, oh, this is real. And over the course of the last number of months, as we've walked this journey and we've prayed and we've We've waited. Certainly, it has at many times felt like a storm. Uh, Heather, if you would throw up um, this Rembrandt painting that at the time when we started talking about it, we looked at together quite a bit. Um, and I remember when we were in this together a number of months ago and we would, we would look at Rembrandt's kind of depiction of this story as he prayerfully sat and, and, and painted this image here we have um, Jesus kind of in the stern of the boat, and they have at this point woke him, but it looks like he just woke up. And they're, they're, the, the, the disciples are kind of all over the boat doing all sorts of things. You know, there's, there, there's guys, I don't know what the guy is doing here on the left. That's the guy that always gets me. He's like hanging off the side. I, I think he's just gone crazy. He's, he's, so, he's like, what do we do? The other guys are trying to tie things down. Some of them are trying to get Jesus' attention. One guy's hanging his head over the boat. 
which I would tease my wife, that would be her. She doesn't do well with things like motion sickness. They're, they're, things, are ju- things are just all over the place. And one of the questions that I encouraged us to ask as we find ourselves in storms, and certainly the, the storms of life can take all kinds of shapes. And certainly at the same time, we're in the middle of a COVID pandemic and we're trying to come back out of that. And there was all kinds of things for us in our jobs and in our finances and in our families. And as we walk life, storms can take all kinds of shapes. And the question that we began to consider was, where am I in the boat? If I, if I could sit prayerfully and even look upon this depiction of the story, is, is there one of these disciples that my heart sort of connects with, resonates with? I would say, I think that might be me tonight. That might be me in relationship to the storm. And so we considered that. Where am I in the boat? And, and, and maybe even a little further, what am I doing? And so through this time, we prayed about those things and the encouragement that God brought to us, regardless of where we found ourselves or what we found ourselves doing, was this invitation to, in the storm, come to Jesus. To, to, to pray even that in the storm, something would rise up in us and we would begin to say, where's Jesus? We would come sort of in some ways, I suppose, to the end of ourselves, to the realization that these men seem to have that this is not going to end well, that we've come to the end of ourselves in the midst of this storm, and we're going down. And in that place of realization of real humility and honesty, that we would begin to look to Jesus. And I want to commend you as a church. I, I think in, in, in much of the storm over the last year, you've done that so well, and you've not just done it solo, we've done it together. And we've found, and Jesus has been so faithful to come and to be found in the midst of many different storms, different shapes and, and sizes. We just prayed for Jonathan and Monica. And we'll continue to pray. Please continue to pray for them this week. As I got that text today, I actually feel there's something really significant happening this week in, in these, for what, it's, for what it's worth. I just feel like a real prompting from the Lord to really pray for them. But talk about a storm, right? And we've sat in these storms together and we've, we've pressed into Jesus. And in some ways, it's people like Monica who have led us most in that. But I want tonight, as we, we sit together as a church in the season we find ourselves today, having learned some things as an investigation has come to an end and we, we, we know that for Bishop Todd and his family, we pray and we, we have concern, but we also recognize the, the realities of a situation as they come more into the light and an investigation comes in. We find ourselves in, a, in, in the same story, but maybe in a different part of the journey, right? And so I would like us, and I feel even prophetic, we had a parish council meeting on Wednesday night to talk, or on Thursday night, to talk and to, to pray and one of the things we're praying as a parish council, and please pray for your parish council, is that we would have wisdom and discernment and eyes to see and that the Lord would show us how to lead the church and how to bring the church into the next season of our life together. And as we did that, there's actually alongside some of the wonder and the waiting, some real excitement. Like that God is in the boat. 
And I want to draw our attention in the story tonight, but in this season, to, to verse 39, and to begin to put our focus in the middle of the story towards the end. I didn't do this on purpose, but I feel like the Lord really, as we sat in this story a number of months ago, had us really in the front piece of the story. And I want us to recognize that the story is moving. And so to pick the story up some ways and shift our focus, even in the story, to verse 39, where we're told that he awoke and he rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased and there was a great calm. The story does not end with a storm. In fact, you're not even at the end when the storm ceases. We're going to keep going. But certainly there is this moment, and as our parish council talked and prayed, Sarah brought our attention back to this. Um, much of my teach tonight, I'm just stealing from her. I told her she could preach it if she wanted. She told me I, I was just allowed to take it. Hey? Well, oh, you didn't say anything about that. Huh. I don't think we've got any money. But anyways, we'll figure that out. That's another part of the storm. We'll figure that out later. Um, I want to draw our attention to verse 39 because a couple things happen in verse 39 that as Sarah shared with us, she felt prophetically the Lord showing us that this is the point in the story we're at now. And I, my heart just immediately resonated. My spirit said, yes. And I want to call us to some hope tonight. I want to call us, yes, in the middle of the storm. Right? Verse 39 starts. It's still raging. But look what happens. First of all, Jesus awoke. It's, it's worth recognizing, and we talked about this a lot, he was sleeping. He absolutely was sleeping. It, the, the, the writers of all three Gospels go as far to let us know he had his head on a cushion. They even paint the picture. Like he's, he's out cold in the middle of it all. And he has been sleeping. He has been sleeping, but that never meant what we were tempted to think it meant. In the worst moment. It never meant that he was, didn't care. It never meant that he was apathetic towards the situation. It never meant that he was distant or forgetful or unwilling or unable to move on our behalf. It never meant any of those things. It simply meant that in storms, Jesus is still a man of peace. He's still sovereign. He is not troubled, distressed, confused, even when we are. Yes, he was asleep, but it never meant what in moments in storms we think it means. When relationships start to break down. When our bodies start to fail us. When our dreams, our hopes, the picture or the direction that we had for our lives suddenly takes a drastic turn or maybe even feels like it runs headlong into a wall. Jesus in those moments is never, even when we look and feel like he's at peace, that peace can become in those moments almost offensive. Right? And we begin to ask questions like the disciples, what are you doing? Like you don't care that we're dying? Do you not see what's happening? And it, the, the question, the story of the gospel writers wants to say loud and clear to that question do not misunderstand what's happening here. Of course I care that you're dying. Of course I care. 
And in fact, we suddenly see in verse 39 that the same Jesus who was asleep wakes up. And in answer to their petition, in answer to their petition that really has in it fear, has in it anxiety, has in it some immaturity, has in it, as Jesus will later will look at, a lack of faith. Jesus doesn't think, oh, I'm not going to respond to that because I don't want to fuel their fire. No, Jesus moves in answer to their cries, moves in answer to their petition. He wakes and meets them where they are. He wakes up and he comes into the place they're in. But then he does what they've not been able to do. And in fact, couldn't have if they tried. He stands up and he rebukes the storm. Peace, be still. In the Greek, there's exclamation marks behind both of those words. He speaks with authority. It's a command. He tells the storm what to do. And it happens. This week as I was talking with one of our community about something totally different in their own life, the Lord brought me to a passage of Scripture that I I visit a lot actually when I'm at Wagner Hills with my, my guys and part of the reason why I visit this passage in Philippians chapter 4, if you've got Bibles, you're welcome to turn there is because this passage has been incredibly helpful for me in the place of my own anxiety. It's been a gift to me in the place of my own fear and unsettledness. Um, some of you know this because many of you know me well. Some of you might not. But I would, I would say that for a long time I've wrestled with a, a fair level of anxiety in my life. Just didn't know that's what it was. But since my father passed away, I've come to understand what it is. It got worse. And so this passage has been incredibly helpful for me in moments of real anxiety where I feel like it's overtaking me, where the storm is just getting over, like it's, it's just taking over. And my, my, my thought is in those moments sometimes, like these apostles, we're dying. There's nothing we can do. But I love Paul's encouragement here in Philippians chapter 4. We're starting in verse 4. He says to the church, In Philippi, rejoice in the Lord always. And again I say, rejoice. Church, in this season, I believe that God is releasing something here via Langley in the area of worship. That he's, and I've been watching it over the last four to six weeks especially. So we spent time in the book of Revelation over the past. It's like, wow, we talked about worship. We talked about it, but the Lord was releasing something. And again tonight, as Jeff led us, Rejoice in the Lord always. Let's fix our eyes on Jesus and not only let him know the storm, not only let him know our our, our problem, we're going to get there, we're going to keep reading. The passage encourages us there. But let's start in the place of worship. Let's choose to recognize the sovereignty of God. Let's find Jesus in the boat. And let's worship. Let's rejoice, even in the midst of storms. Always, it says. Again, I say, Paul, rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Jesus is in the boat. Jesus is in the storm. And I think there's lots of moments in storms when we lose sight of him. In John 6, they don't, the gospel, if John doesn't tell this story, it tells another story about a stormy water where Jesus calls Peter out to walk on it, right? 
And Peter steps out into that storm and has an interesting encounter again with this God who has power over creation. He walks on water until he loses sight of Jesus. The Lord is at hand. Even when we lose sight of him, he's right there. And then these are the verses I would like to call us to as a church tonight and as we look forward. Do not be anxious about anything. Remember, I sat with a young man at Wagner a number of months ago now. And I said to him, imagine if that's all that Paul said, how frustrating and near offensive that would sound. When into the midst of storms, someone would just say to you, don't worry about it. Don't be anxious. It's like, thanks? Right? But that's not all Paul says. He says, don't be anxious about anything, but let me give you another option. In everything, how? By prayer and supplication. Let your, and with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Don't be anxious about anything, but in everything, pray. Make supplication. Let God know the needs and the desires of your heart, even in the storm. I, I don't know if I'd ever thought of it that way, but when those guys say, what are you doing? Do you not care that we're dying? I feel like that's just a raw version of prayer and supplication. That's just like a really like kind of Chad-like version of like, help, save me. Right? It's real. It's connected it's not ignoring the anxiety. It's not ignoring the effects of the storm. It's choosing from in them to pray, to call out to God for help, and to do it with thanksgiving, recognizing that I've tasted and I've seen. I've seen God move in storms before, and I praise him. I thank him, even that he's here. Oh, thank goodness you're here. Thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you that even in storms, we're not alone to carry this. I don't have to figure this out. Can I tell you how thankful I am as your priest that I don't have to figure out our future? Oh, thank you, Jesus. I don't know how. But with prayer and supplication, Lord, we need your help. We want to serve. We want to love this city of Langley. We want to walk in an authentic way of worship. We want to continue to encounter Jesus. And we want to continue to see others come and encounter Jesus. This is our prayer. This is our supplication. And we won't want to do it out on our own. We want to do it in community. We want to do it in a home. So Jesus, would you supply? We're going to pray. And catch this then, Paul goes on to say, if you make that choice, if instead of dwelling on the place of the storm, instead of just like being overwhelmed and choosing to let it take you over, but you begin to pray, there's a promise in the scriptures. And verse 7 tells us that if we do this, the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. That the peace 
and, and connect it back to the gospel story. What does Jesus say to the storm? Peace. That the peace of God, talk about surpass all understanding, it says Jesus speaks this out and the wind ceases and the waves calm. They're left with their jaws dropped at the awesomeness, the literal awesomeness of his peace. It surpasses understanding. Wow. I shared this with our parish council on Thursday and church as a, as a whole church. I want to invite us this season to two things. I believe it's the call of God, the invitation of his heart to us in the midst of the season that we're in. Number one, rejoice. I want, to, I want to invite you to the place of worship, to come and to worship. And so we're going to make a priority of worship in this season. We're going to find every space we can find to worship. And in that very same place, as he's high and lifted up, we're going to pray. We're going to pray and make our supplication together to the Lord. With thanksgiving. And I'm confident that as we do, we will continue to experience what many of us have experienced even this week. As peace comes that passes understanding. Two questions that come up in the text and we'll close with this as we begin to move towards the table. The first question in the text is Jesus' question for them. It's Jesus' question for us. And in one of the Gospels, I think it's in Matthew, the, the writer sums the question up even this simply. He's, Jesus says, where is your faith? And that's my question to us tonight. I, I would ask us, can you see him? Can you see Jesus in the midst of your storm? Whatever the shape of that storm is, and certainly collectively as a church tonight, some of the things we've talked about, can you see him? The question is, where is your faith? And I would actually take the question and, and, and almost turn it a bit in this sense, like, where is your faith? Has it been placed somewhere else? Your faith is somewhere. Where is it? Is it in Jesus tonight? in the midst of the storm? Or has it been in the boat? And all of a sudden the boat's at risk. And so all faith is lost. Is faith in a man? Is faith in your, your own intellect? Is faith somehow in a past experience? Is, is, where is your faith tonight? Because if it's not, especially in storms, if it's not clearly set on Jesus, you're in trouble. So I would take that question and pose it to us tonight. Where is your faith? Is it placed elsewhere? Is it drowned out tonight by anxiety or, or, or fear? Do you feel discouraged, tired? As you, as you come out of even COVID and out of this year and the journey that we've walked, do you feel engaged or do you feel a bit checked out? Do you feel a bit disconnected? Things like hurt and 
anger and, and, and bitterness, they, they deeply impact faith, especially when we think of faith in light of trust. Right? Key ingredient, Jay, I quote him all the time on this, Jay Packer always said that faith was committed, trustful reliance. We put our trust in, that's part of faith. Right? Two things that might happen to us, and I look at this story, and I may read into it a bit, but these guys seem to have a bit of a trust issue with Jesus all of a sudden because they're in the middle of a storm and he's sleeping. It, it hit the trust button in their hearts. It took a bit of a punch. And I, I think it's witnessed too well when the question they ask is, what's the deal? You don't care that we're dying? And it makes sense to me then that Jesus wants to talk to them about faith. Where's your faith? That you would assume that. Did you forget I don't roll like that, right? Where is your faith? So is there, is there some reconciliation maybe today needed in your life with God in light of your storms? Sometimes in our storms, we turn our hearts away from God or we begin to turn them towards God in anger or towards God, and we become a bit bitter with God. And it's tough then to walk in faith, to begin to trust again, if we don't take a moment to just be honest about that and say, God, would you restore, reconcile my heart back to the faith so I can put my life in you again in the middle of this storm. So there might be some reconciliation needed for some of us with God if we're going to find him, see him, have faith in the storm. But I want to go one step further. There might be some reconciliation needed in our hearts with others. It got me thinking, what kind of things got said when they were scrambling in the boat? What kind of things got done or not done? Sometimes in storms, we end up hurting or being hurt by one another. Actually, it's pretty normal. Storms become places where the best of us come out and the worst of us come out, right? And so maybe there's some reconciliation needed in your heart in some of your storms with others. And as a church, as we walk this journey together, if there's parts of our hearts that are hurting, if there's parts of our hearts that need that reconciliation, then my encouragement to us is to hear this question of Jesus, not as a kind of stick over the head, but as an invitation. Where is your faith? I think Jesus, when he asks this kind of question, he's inviting us back to the place of faith. Where is your faith? Come, believe. Come, see me. And it, for some of us, there may be some reconciliation needed in order for that to be possible. And so the first question in the text and that I would leave with us tonight is that. Where is your faith? second question the apostles ask one another after this story is all said and done having seen Jesus come to a deepened fresh revelation a, a restored faith they ask this question who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him Church, my invitation to you in that place of worship and prayer is to come and to see Jesus as he is. Would, Lord, would you come and would you bring revelation in our lives that would allow us to see you for who you are?
Let it stir and release worship in us. Jeff, I invite you to come. Would you release songs in us, Jesus? Would you, would you bring us to the table in a, in a fresh place of revelation and encounter with you? Would you give us eyes to see you that the same kinds of awe-filled questions would rise in our hearts? That in the midst of the storm and having walked through it, we would come out on the other side with a deeper and a fresh revelation of Jesus. That we would literally stand back in awe and recognize that Christ is not the God that we can sum up, that we have put inside of a box. He is a God who can do immeasurably more than we could ever ask for or imagine. He is the author of creation, my creation included, but he is the Lord of creation. When, when storms are raging, they don't scare him or overwhelm him. He is sovereign over all of it. So church, I invite you to worship. Even as we come to the table tonight, that are, to, to pray and to allow the Spirit to open your eyes, especially in the places of storm. that we might together make our prayer and supplication and then revel in, worship in the place of his power, of his faithfulness. The Gospels do not teach us of a storm-free life. <laughs> it wasn't Jesus' story. It wasn't the disciples' story. It wasn't the promise of God for us in this life. It doesn't teach us of a storm-free life, but it teaches us what God does in storms. This story becomes a powerful gospel story. And God is ever writing that story in the midst of storms. So are you in a storm tonight? you feel it in your own heart corporately church where we find ourselves let's be honest let's recognize the place that we are in but let's open our eyes in faith to see Jesus move in a gospel power in this season of our life together as a church we believe Jesus has stood up in the boat and is rebuking the storm. And as we fix our eyes on Jesus, in the place of worship and of prayer, I wholeheartedly believe that we will experience together the second part of this story in Mark 4. Watching the wind cease, great calm come. And as we experience in it and others watch the experience, we will have a revelation of Jesus. 
stand with me tonight? I've asked Jeff to lead us in a song of worship as we prepare our hearts to come to the table. Let's fix our eyes on Jesus. Let's turn the things we've heard tonight already. Let's begin to worship and to make our prayer and supplication with